Welcome to Thrones and Scones. It's your weekday morning podcast where we talk about Game of Thrones over breakfast. Just in case one day off was enough to rot your brain, that's what we do. And who we are is Tony, Hans, and Jeremy. And we're here on a Monday with you tackling Season 6, Episode 1, The Red Woman. <laughs> That was my Davos. Did it sound? Did you get Davos out of that at all? It wasn't One bad. more time. One more, more time. The Red Woman. Oh. Uh, <laughs> now have a bowl of brown for me. Oh, the Red Woman. Uh, well, Princess, I'll, I'll make you dear and a dear lady. Yeah, sure I will. I'm getting farther away from Davos. <laughs> 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 uh, I didn't. I did not claim to be good at this. <laughs> oh, season six, episode one, guys. We. We had some contentious opinions about season five, and uh, I- I'm wondering here, season six, before we kind of get into our breakdown, you think starting out a little better, starting out uh, a little worse? What are your thoughts? For me, definitely better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Better. Better. I agree with that. I feel you. I am stalling so oh. that I can well, pull up the Well, with regards to stalling... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just a little brief story before you this. So working on a home theater, right? Super That's excited. Right. I've talked about it, right? Um, I just like to leave a little moment because fuck UPS is where I want to start this conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> Those sons of bitches fucking eat shit and die. So getting something shipped to your house from UPS is probably one of the most painful, annoying things ever. First, they give you an app that you can log in and create so you can track your package. Completely cool with me, right? But then it (laughs) says, hey, you know, you can have options to change things. But you don't control those options. They do. So every time I'm trying to adjust options, like, okay, well, I don't know what fucking adult that works can be home between 9 till 3. Like, that's not my work schedule. And I have put multiple messages sent talked to multiple people and said hey can you deliver after four because if you can the likelihood of me or my wife being home probably going to be better and they're like we can't do that we can't guarantee that it's the driver's decision i'm like oh well can i can i send a message to the driver requesting that oh no 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 we can't do that either i'm like okay so you're essentially telling me that there's nothing i can do to make sure i get my package which is frustrating but not the worst thing, because usually if they don't deliver your package, they go, all right, well, Tony, you can go to those UPS drop-off sites, right, and pick up your package. Right. Yeah. Fuck those people, though, because here's what they don't tell you. If your package is valued over a certain number, they don't fucking take it to those places. Oh, no, no, no. They send it back to the fucking shipper, and then that shipper then contacts you and goes, we're going to charge you again to ship it to you because it got sent back to us. This is a this is a lot to unpack here, pun intended. Good. I want to start with the fact that uh, you're not going to just gloss over that humble pack or that uh, that little humble brag that you're spending enough money that they <laughs> that they have to do something special. No, there. no. Well, okay, so, like, oh. so okay, here's my problem. Okay, so if you're <laughs> ordering game. if you're ordering technology, right? Especially like a projector. Yes, we're talking. In some situations, more than $1,000. And I don't know the number of which UPS decides to shove dildos up their asses, but it's not that high. <laughs> and and then you talk to them on the phone, and their fucking ineptness is just mind-boggling. Because I'm like, I've spoken to three different people and be told three different things about 
why my package is supposed to be someplace it's not. I'm like, okay, but on on the fucking app that you made me fucking put on my phone so I can do a tracking, <laughs> which ungodly. what? So tracking to me should be like, we live in a time of GPS. Estimated delivery time is the end of the day. And then it's suddenly attempted deliver. Not, hey, we're on our way to your location. Hey, we'll probably be there between three and four. It's literally all, it's by the end of the day. And then we attempted delivery. What's that? That's not fucking tracking. That's I mean, that's, how do you how do you change that? Unless you have the delivery driver scan every box at each stop and say, okay, this is X number of stops away. Like, uh, I don't. Most most places that deliver, I would say, for example, like I get coffee shipped from California delivered. Mm-hmm. Right, I get an alert when it is on the way to me from the postal service. Mm. Like. So the postal service, which we could argue is probably another group of just specially retarded people, probably not the way to go with that conversation. Uh, uniquely inept people will go that way. Um, they can do it. Why can't a multi-billion-dollar company improve their tracking ability? Just because I don't have demographic info on the sixteen people that listen to this podcast, uh, I've had I've had pretty good luck with UPS. Oh no, fuck UPS <laughs> here in here in my area. They're actually the only shipping company that consistently I have good luck with. USPS is okay, but just to jump onto your bandwagon, fuck FedEx with a stick. Oh yes, okay. Like, but I just want to <laughs> wait, wait, one more point with this. So then I call the place that shipped me my projector, and I say to them, guys. I just got informed by UPS that it's going back to you. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty typical. And I want to be like, excuse me? Like, you didn't communicate that with me. You didn't communicate with me that they couldn't deliver it three days, Friday, Monday, and today, between fucking nine and one. Because what the fuck? I would have taken off work. I would have called in sick if I knew this was going to be an issue. Like, if... They didn't do that. It was going to be shipped back to New York, of which you were going to then charge me another $145 to reship this thing. Now, what's the... So I understand... I mean, I don't understand why, but I get that they're not redirecting it to that drop-off point immediately. Through the UPS app, you can schedule packages to just go there instead. Can you not do that? So they, the company decided, due to the value of the object, they Mm. would not allow that. They don't tell me that reason. They don't give me a reason. And I even said that. I'm like, wait, so you're willing for me when, I mean, because now I've spoken to the company after getting a huge argument with them. I'm like, no, send it to the UPS location. If I would have known this was going to be an issue, I would have had it sent there from the first place. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. I'm like, and that just pissed me off. I'm like, wait, it's no problem to do that. But you wouldn't let that happen prior. What the Mm -hmm. fuck? Like, that's even more asinine to me. And then the fact that they want to recharge me for shipping because they don't explain their policy, I yeah, get that's it. Crazy. I get it. It's like but that doesn't. It almost doesn't sound like UPS's issue that. But no. But then talking to here's my problem with the UPS. UPS communicated me uh, with me on three different times that the package, if I wanted it, I simply had to just wait till it was a failed delivery, which was three days of attempts. And then yeah. I could always pick it up there. So then I was like, oh, well, mm. no big deal. But then on the third day today, when I called them, they were like, oh, no, we sent it back to New York. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, dude, you, you just told me yesterday or sorry, month Friday 
that this was going to be going to this place in Dayton and I could pick it up. And they're like, oh, well, that's not true. I'm like, kind of a big deal, guys, when you're shipping something to me. I am now actually remembering this massive headache I had back in January that I must have put out of my psyche. I bought a phone from Google and they shipped it, UPS, same problem. They wouldn't send it back to the place. So I called them and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a company thing. So I call the company. They say, no, we can't, uh, we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I can have someone else sign for it. No, we can't, we can't do that. You gotta be home. And yep. it was like, now, thankfully I'm in the position, my, my day starts a little bit earlier. So I was able to get them to push their delivery off past one o'clock and be home for it. But still, yeah, um, yeah. I, for, I totally forgot about that headache. So you're you're right. All of a sudden, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, get, get my fucking stick out. Get and the shove fucking it up some stick ass. out of your ass. Yes, you and FedEx, <laughs> little circle jerk, little dildo ass action, yeah. <laughs> fucking <Jeez>. die. <laughs> All right, uh, on throats. Hans, how's your uh, how's your? I know you had some packages go missing recently. Yeah, I, this is coming at a prime time since my packages are currently being stolen. Hmm. So, I don't think it seems like you need a. It's not USPS's fault because they're dropping them off in my apartment building. My building manager is confirming that she's getting them, putting them at my door, and then I just never get them. So, see now you're in a particularly difficult catch twenty two because it sounds like you also need a fucking stick. But here's the thing: yes, you do. They range in price and quality, and if you really want to get the highest value for your money, you gotta get it from Amazon. And if your packages aren't showing up, (laughs) where are you getting that sweet fucking stick? (laughs) Exactly. God, you need the you need that five star rated because a little splintering is good, but too much, and you're just gonna break the shaft off, and then you've got a single use, you know, stick. So what I'm hearing is bamboo. I'm hearing bamboo is coming through as the way to go. Bamboo's good. Yeah, yeah. bamboo's fibrous. bamboo is fibrous. solid, <laughs> fibrous. It's got enough bend to it yeah. that you can kind of give it a good warping. wiggle. Yeah. <laughs> what's so annoying is who the who the shit is is stealing mail? Like, that's yeah. a federal well, crime. It. Right? It's a big federal, federal crime. crime. Yeah. yeah. It's and not like a little I, thing. I, I can tell you right now, my package is not worth stealing. That's the thing. Yeah. Is like the first time yeah. they stole. I've seen it, your package. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the first time they stole it, opened it, and realized it's a fucking like action figure, some shit that's like fifteen dollars. Why are they going for round two? Is what I don't get. Like, is this really worth a felony, <laughs> like a federal crime? I don't now, know. Hans, I think we might actually be able to connect the dots here on two of your recent issues. Have you considered that the person stealing your packages is the person who was trying to lowball bid you on these Jordans? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Did I tell you that I sold my Jordans, by the way? You, to her, right? Yeah, to her for not only $10, $13.50. Boom. Is that the, uh, the shipping edition there? Or no, you just got her up to it. She no, bid it. she bid up to thirteen fifty. Someone else swooped in, tried to steal them out from under her. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aren't these like size five child? Yeah, youth six and a half. <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got a great show for you today. The roots are here. Oh wait, no, sorry, <laughs> channeling the wrong person here. Uh, we are tackling some Game of Thrones. We are about to unpack an episode here because it's the only thing we've had delivered, uh, and it's season six, episode one, the Red Woman. Still don't have that Davos down. Guys, want a little plot action? Anyone but Davos. I'm taking requests. I'm gonna go Kermit the Frog. 
<laughs> okay. Kermit the All right. Frog. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Kermit the Frog here. Uh, at Castle Black, Thorn defends his treason while Ed and Davos defend themselves. Sansa and Theon race the cold and the hounds. It's the whole damn thing. Yeah. At least it's bigger sentences, but... And I feel like almost grammatically correct. Oh, yeah. Almost, uh... There's a comma. <laughs> almost there. I, I feel like I'm getting a little, uh... Who is it? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh... <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. There's a little, there's a little influence coming in Kermit the Frog here. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's Rest Muppety. Peace, I'm Jim just trying Anson. to figure out what the name, who it would be. Hmm. Well, now Kermit is considered a Muppet, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, because the now again, I watched them as a kid, but it's so construed and everything. Kermit is not Sesame Street. Kermit is the Muppets. I have no idea. Aren't they? Don't but, they like? Isn't that one of those things where they like, you know, they float on both sides kind of thing? Yeah. So I think the Sesame Street characters are technically considered Muppets. Right. But then there are the Muppets. Right. And that's like Kermit and Miss Piggy and uh, uh, Gonzo and Beaker. Was it Jim Henderson? Professor Was that who created the Muppets? Jim Henson. Henson. Yeah. Jim. Uh, Jim. Jimmy Henson. Yeah. He's also he's great dead. on the guitar. Great on the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a, uh, he's fast, and he makes those sausages. Oh wait, no. Oh yeah, yeah. It's Jimmy Dean. Oh. Well, the red, uh, the red woman. I wonder who they're talking about in this episode. Perhaps they're talking just, just to throw the whole, the whole strategy of the game off here. Perhaps they're talking. Oh my God, what a gross burp! About our only good, bad, and juggly moment of the episode, Melisandre. <laughs> I feel like Blah. we don't give her name enough pizzazz because my gosh, does it deserve just a little bit of pizzazz. But that's right, you guys. It's a Monday. As if your day wasn't already thrown off enough, let's start at the bottom of the episode today. Melisandre gets a little naked for us. We get to see her. We get to see, get to see her very lovely top shelf nipples, which I got to be honest, gave me some giggles at first, but I've started to appreciate the uniqueness of her physical form. And just when I was starting to enjoy it, she's got to go and do something <laughs> that I did not expect. That is, makes you feel dirty in ways that you don't want to feel. So <laughs> is, is this from the books? Is she like an old lady in the books? We are past the are books past now, the books. so we ah. don't know. Now I will, and maybe we spoke about this. Oh, I think Rob schooled us a little bit on this. But she takes off her choker. She is revealed to be uh, a very old woman. I've I've read some interviews and stuff with the directors of the show, and they're saying they weren't going for a specific age. They just very much wanted to imply that she could be very ancient, could be you know a, a younger form of old, but that it was kind of immaterial, and that she was. Something else was going on keeping her there. But she is old as shit, suffice it to say. She's got hair that's barely clinging to her head. Um, and her pubes are doing okay, actually. <laughs> really? Surprisingly I they, enough. Whew, they got rough there for a moment. I mean, they, I don't think that they were, like, even gray. I just remember uh, them being much more deflated. They were, yeah, they were, <laughs> they were not full of life pubes, yeah. I would call it. They, <laughs> were, they did not have... They did not have good bounce and volume, but you got to think that no one in this world has conditioner. So right. how much can you really hope for? Right, right, yeah. Um, 
And it's, it's cold outside. Dry skin, you know, you don't go all that. It's true. That's not conducive to good hair growth. You got to you gotta treat them follicles right. You got to lotion up. And uh, she loves she loves good bathing. I'm surprised. You would yeah, think that out of a, anybody. She's a she bath likes. person, which I don't necessarily know how I feel about baths, but I'm sure that obviously plumbing wasn't the thing at that time. So shower, shower, water pressure, really not your thing as well. But yeah. bathing, <laughs> bathing, oh, bathrooms disgusting to me. Have I told you my my embarrassing ass bath story? No, please. Like when I realized that I would that I would never ever be a true man. Go go on. Uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> this was a this was maybe like a year and a half ago. Oh my god, this is our local a, a recent bath story. Even it's better. a semi recent bath story. Yeah. Uh, first of all, actually, a lot of my weird stories in life have to do with uh, the bathtub. I should talk to a therapist about that. Only two times I've ever slept walk in my life, woke up in the shower. Uh, <laughs> it's very, sounds dangerous, by the way. Um, but no, so actually, this might have been a couple years ago. This was, this was right before season seven of Game of Thrones premiered because I was re-watching all of the episodes leading up to that. And uh, I had been watching episodes, it was like a Sunday or something, been watching a lot of episodes all day, really binging the crap out of it. And uh, I had had a productive day otherwise than that, which is rare that I get, you know, my lazy and my productivity on. So it was early in the evening. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to relax in the bath, but I want to hit this Game of Thrones. Uh, so I went and found my tablet. It was dead. I was like, I don't, I don't even want to wait for it to charge. I'm not going to take my laptop into the bathroom. That sounds like a problem. So my only other thought was, well, I could, I could hold my phone. Eh, I, don't, I don't want to do that. So I had a 22-inch TV hanging out in my closet. Sweet. I took it, and I set it up on the back of my toilet. <laughs> Plugged it in, got the Chromecast working so that I could stream Game of Thrones while I was in the bathtub. And then as I'm getting everything ready i'm like oh you know what my bathtub really cheaply made doesn't hold heat for shit and the water doesn't really stay hot long enough to to fill the whole tub with with nice warm water so you so what got I did, an electric heater and you put it in the water right next best thing i got i got the electric kettle going in the kitchen and just game of thrones style started funneling boiling water back and forth from the bathroom to add to the you know the running water in the tub got like four batches in got to a real nice like acceptable temperature there then as i'm you know i'm getting prepared i'm like well gotta gotta have some wine to not only celebrate the great bath but the game of thrones as well so grab a nice uh, thought about a glass just went for the straight bottle of chardonnay and brought it into the brought it into the bathroom nice rosé for the evening yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i'm set, continue to set everything up i i go like down to the level that i'm gonna be at and i notice a glare from the light on the tv it's like terrible so i turn the light off and then it's too dark I'm like, okay, odd, nope, not going to work. And so I There's I only, go, I only one practical solution. Yeah, only one practical solution. I have to get an external lamp. I have one lamp to my name, and it only has an orange light bulb in it because it's my favorite color, so why would I have not bought it in college when I purchased this lamp? Um, so the mood lighting that was set in this bathroom was like this very ambient rose color like sunset tuscan villa that just filled the bathroom and of course in case i didn't mention it it was lavender honey scented bubble bath because you're not just going to take a bath in your own muck yeah that's disgusting and so um, yeah so i so i settled down in a nice 
bubble bath, <laughs> warmed by the electric kettle, and uh, with, with a bottle of Chardonnay for an hour watching Game of Thrones on the TV that was propped up on my toilet. And I knew that day that <laughs> my father would never accept me as his son. <laughs> And that I would have to Samuel Tarly things uh, uh, away into the nice watch, lest I get killed in the hunt. I was sorry. That was a long story. I apologize. Yeah, the payoff's no, probably good. not great. Yeah, I have heard that story. The second you started telling the story, I knew exactly what you were talking about. I couldn't remember. To this you day, Tony did. remains uh, Tony Snow. <laughs> <laughs> Never worthy of my family name. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh shit! So, Why did I even tell the bath story? What were we? <laughs> oh, because baths are disgusting, and I was like oh, talking, yeah, we about talking about Melisandre and all those things. Uh, give you my opinion <laughs> on the whole red woman thing, really quickly. Uh, Miranda, because you know Miranda's dead and bleeding all over the ground, and uh, Ramsay finds oh, yes. her and is like, "Fuck," liked her. <laughs> she was she was hanging out. Uh, yeah, he did. He was showing some some actual human emotion. And then he meat. ends it with a typical Ramsey feed her to the hounds. She's good meat. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. I almost wrote down a complaint actually because we saw her hit the pavement, and then yeah. he's like, "Look, you're looking at her, and she looks pretty pristine." And yeah. then it cuts to the other side of her face, and she's like a mangled mess. Yeah. So never mind. They did her. They did her just fine in that condition. So. As for, go yeah. Ahead. As for Melisandre, just real quick before we run away from her as fast as we can. Um, Rob did point out in the recap, I believe, that she has taken the collar off before. I yeah. went and just verified that again. Watch the video. It is true. Um, there are some conspiracy theories floating around online as to what the situation could have been, but I think it's probably just a continuity error. I do, too. I think they just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Which, she has a shit ton of vials around her, too, so you could argue that maybe she, maybe she didn't take that sweet, sweet medicine, so who knows? true and which i think could be if they didn't just mess up it could be something that hey maybe this is a decision the showrunners made and not the book because if it was an established thing that was going to happen in the books and they knew that then they wouldn't have had her take the choker off in the first place yeah i guess my only thought is maybe i don't know it's sure my only thought was maybe the choker doesn't really have anything to do with it and it just yeah. just happened to be coincidence that she was taking everything off and then turned. And it's more just due to the fact that she's in private. We haven't really seen her alone too many times. Yeah, that could be too. Because she, yeah, she could just be preparing for bed because she goes to bed after this. And I don't know about you guys, but when I settle down for the evening, I usually take my enormously large ruby choker <laughs> off. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. At least the one that's around my neck. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought maybe she was just going to bed and i i can't remember but i don't think we've ever seen her like alone in her room or like in private before and it was just coincidence that she was taking the choker off right before i don't know that was my only thought but i don't know how they sure seem to focus on that quite a bit so they did you gotta you gotta you gotta give a little bit of credit here by the way we don't know her specific age but i'd say conservatively we put her at 100 and she Last we knew, still fertile. It's yeah. true. She can, <laughs> still, she can push out those babies with the best of them. Yeah. Well, those sweet, push out something. sweet demon babies. <laughs> <laughs> that are so ugly, only a mom could love. Now, it does 
come to uh, my attention that uh, some other things happen in this episode as well. John is still dead yep. again. Um, you know, probably stay that way. Yeah, and definitely. Feels, he's, he's feels right. Stabbed. Feels right. He's been stabbed up and down. Davos has some hope. They kind of start to fortify a little bit. Um, I like that. They're really not. Again, we, we, we struggle with the issue of why would they just leave his body out there? Other than that, I like the fact that they're kind of playing it close to the chest. They're pretty much assuming they're going to die in there and trying to figure out what they can do to maybe help John, but moreover, just to try and figure out what this means for them. Um, this is this is these this next couple episodes we get some good uh, development from Davos, who is really just in adrenaline mode at this point, not having any time to to mourn. Do you think, I mean, I don't remember this episode, I don't feel like they're explaining as much that that they feel like Melisandre can come in and actually revive John to the uh, other no, people. Like, the other, the other men are just, like, I'm trying to get, what's their motivation? Like, are they trying to mutiny as well? Trying to get help from the wildlings? That they feel like that'll lead to them, you know, going against Thorn? Because I feel like Davos is, like, his goal is to see if he can save John, which yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he, we have enough to believe in that, in that way, you know? No, I think it, I think it does have a flaw to it. Um, and we, we hear Dabo say like, you know, I'm not asking the, in the next episode, I think I'm not asking the Lord of light for help. I'm, I'm asking you the, per, you know, you showed me that miracles exist. I think Davos is hoping to the, the one ounce of magic that he's seen in the world that he know can do things beyond what he thought possible. But right. we also have to kind of step back and realize that Davos never, ever saw no. anybody come back to right. life. He doesn't know that this should be a possibility. And the fact that it's kind of such a go-to thing for him yeah. seems, seems a, a little odd. Seems a lot. And then the magic he's seen really wasn't magic. It was fucking evil. Right, it was very, and he was very against it. Yeah, and it and it didn't last. Right, it's not like that creature. Well, we, that we know of is not crawling around someplace else. We have no yeah. idea. Demon and, babies for life. Yeah, the people who, you know, it it was created for, Stannis. Did, you know, I wouldn't say that it led to his downfall, but he certainly fell anyway. And you know, so who's to say what Davos would think uh, is cursed of that? I also don't think that they necessarily establish Davos's connection to John. Totally, agree. Uh, I get th- I get that he liked him. I understand that Stannis liked him. Davos and John had a couple moments, but he seems very ready to die in this room. Right. Um, and that could be an honor thing more than anything. But what did you guys feel about that? Did it feel off at all? I have a I have an easier time believing that part of the story uh, versus the part where he thinks he's going to bring John back. I wish they would have at least somehow, <clears throat> for all the characters that they have run into each other and all the coincidences through the show and the crazy time constructs and all this stuff that happens, yeah, I wish they would have at least somehow introduced one of those characters in that room to the uh, to someone who's actually come back from the dead or like at least heard this story or something because I didn't think it was weird that anyone would think that that was possible so i think it was kind of an easy fix like it wouldn't have stretched to have one of these characters run into uh what are those guys called 
The Brotherhood. Yeah, The Brotherhood. And see this guy, right? Because, like, the Hound saw it. We could have had some other storyline or something where this had come across, especially if this was going to be... I'm assuming they knew this was the plan early on in the show. Yeah, I would think so. The only other uh, plot hole I think I have with this time period is uh, Melisandre comes to the room with Davos and everything, sees John, blah, 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 they talk. She leaves. Um, And then they go on to establish the fact that they're kind of boarded up in there for better or for worse. They send ed off secretly to try and meet with the wildlings uh thorn has a discussion and apologies i don't know what goes into um this episode into the next one but beyond these things we, we get these discussions where it's like okay we're kind of stuck here and they're gonna eventually come in and try to break things down but then somehow melisandra also doesn't get like taken captive or anything just she can just kind of chill in a room and then she comes back like she makes it back to the room to kind of uh, you know reconvene with them in the next episode. Yeah, it seems it's not, odd. It's not clear it why they're. I mean, it's not like there's a lot of women at the wall. So why is she allowed back? And why? What is that about? Yeah. You know? So like, the only only thought that I have is maybe you know we don't have a good local geographical thing like a map. So maybe they're in some sort of tower or multi-roomed thing. That is also where Melisandre is staying. But I want to say, when she shows up the first time, she enters in the front door. Yeah. yeah. And they definitely come to that door when Thorne is having the conversation about kind of like mm-hmm. letting everyone leave. No harm, no foul. And he's and Thorne's got to probably be like, really? Like, like he's dead. So why are you guys keeping his body in there? That's got to that's gotta be a bit odd, right? Yeah. What do you guys... Uh, did you have a, a least favorite part of the episode we haven't touched on yet? My least favorite bit of the episode was heading to Dorne again and oh. having uh, Ilaria and Tyene make their uh, ultimate move, I guess the Sand Snakes in general, taking out Prince Duran and uh, taking out Prince Tristane as well, which by in and of itself I didn't hate. I understand that they've been moving towards coup territory. They obviously you know, killed... Marcella Lannister, they did not think that they were going to get away with that. But my problem was, if they're going to make a coup, and they've already set it up to where, like, the guards in the capital are on their side, why would you not do this coup eight hours beforehand when you have Jamie Lannister, who you want dead, there, and could take him out as well? Like, but you let him leave... With Marcella, so that word gets back to King's Landing faster about her death, and then you know you invoke any sort of wrath that might come from that. It seems weirdly non-logic based, and I guess you could make the statement that they're working on emotion. But if that is the case, they've set up an awful lot of checks and balances um, so that they got away with this coup. Yeah, and they actually set back, in my opinion, a declaration of war, right? They sent yeah. back a dead princess. Which maybe is what Ilari wants. Maybe. Oh, yeah. She's she's suicide <sighs> rage right now, right? I mean, like, yeah. she is out for blood and gets it. And when Tyene kills uh, the prince, uh, another, you know, blade in the skull face Spin area. Into the face. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, I, I don't. Yeah, that was an impressive scene. Um, mm. Tyene, still hot. Deadly, but hot. Still hot. 
Yeah, I don't know. Thoughts I just like Dorn, how she goes. I just like how she goes. You're a greedy bitch or whatever. <laughs> After he stabs him right through the face. Uh, I think I think that's that line of things. <clears throat> probably my least favorite part too. I still don't understand why Tristane's on a different ship. Yeah, don't get that because we never Which saw the apparently ship. Still either. seems to be in the harbor. Right, because they're yeah, because they're there, right? So the whole thing seems weird. And then again, why? I guess maybe she's trying to get back at Cersei specifically and knowing that Marcella alone would be the worst. But in general, like you would think that she wouldn't necessarily want to kill Marcella. She would want to, like you said, Jamie would be a better like revenge against the Lannisters than Marcella. Like she didn't really yeah. do anything wrong. And it, it's not like she had to pick. You could have killed both of them if you're trying <laughs> to send a declaration of war to Cersei. Like, yeah, yeah, it seems a bit impractical as far as yeah. their plans go. Maybe. And obviously, like you're saying, so well planned out that all the guards are even in on this. I don't know. It seems yeah. weird. I agree. My, I thought it was weird. It does lead to my favorite moment of the show, actually, which, and this might be my first cersei moment that i've talked about really liking um i do like cersei as a character but i I love to hate her so just like joffrey you know she's not going to be my favorite part of most things but this is why i think she is such a great villain is we do get to get um very real and very tangible kind of uh inspirations for her actions and it's come down to in the past couple seasons her children and her love for that and she's doubled down a couple times of of pulling back from the power that she wants to really kind of protect her children and to try and improve their futures through questionable means especially in the in the previous season that ultimately led to some stupid stuff for her but here she has been beaten and literally bloodied and shamed beyond belief she's been hoarded up in her room and we see her near giddy at the prospect of Marcella being back and and that scene where she's running down to the beach there to see Jamie to see that shrouded thing coming back um and then her having that conversation with Jerry uh, with Jamie yeah this is her beyond saving moment I don't think it's where her her crazy fully snaps yet but it's at this point where it's like okay Cersei is uh, you know, she, she's not in it for her kids. She is surrendering to this prophecy that was given to her, and she is saying, "Okay, you're saying that's happening to me. Fine, but I'm gonna take everyone down with me." Um, and this is where I think that turn starts to really happen. It was really cool. Jeremy, do you have a favorite part, or is that the same? Um, no. Uh, sorry, I do have a favorite part. That that wasn't my favorite. I, I agree. I think it's a very powerful. Uh, very powerful scene i actually thought the the melisandre stuff where she i think that's such a twist mm. because i thought yeah. that was a really cool part um and again i love boobs so Peeves. top shelf yeah. were nice um yeah. and my worst and for me was aria um really interesting yeah i i mean I, i've always been a fan of aria it's really really good the whole blind waif fighting beating the crap out of her it's brief it just, I don't know, it just was meh for me. Um, I've wanted this to be more interesting than what it has been in Bravos. Um, I think there could have been so much cooler ways to do training. Um, and again, you know, Game of Thrones is, has this thing of constantly, you know, hitting low points to rebound. And I keep wondering 
every time I think, oh, okay, well, this is a low point. Oh, nope, going back. This is a low point. So I feel like this whole repetition with Arya of get, constantly getting broken down, broken, broken down, broken down more, uh, I'm just kind of over it. So. It's interesting. I actually really like the moment this like blind beggar thing that she's doing in the next episode. And I understand that they're trying to lengthen the period a bit, but I thought that, yeah, as you're saying, like repetitions a bit much. Yeah. I didn't think it was necessary in this episode for them yeah. to show uh, what they did. Um, but I do like it going forward. And, and Waif, um, her character, there's a, there's a spitefulness here that just doesn't make sense to me. I don't mm. get it. I don't get, I, I wish we had more character understanding for her and motivation. Because, I mean, from the book, Waif is not this way. So I don't, I want, I wish I had more understanding of why she seems so spiteful in the in the show. I think the only clue of anything we get is that one conversation when, I think it's when they're playing the game of faces for the first time when she says, um, you, not from here, show up with a coin you haven't earned. Um, with a name you haven't given up or something like she's like this because this guy likes you you have basically skipped ahead not not yeah skipped ahead not put the not, not put the time in, not put yeah. the work in not felt the hurt that i have felt yeah. been on the the very bottom shelf of bottom to get here um and it's unclear it seems like she knows an awful lot about aria mm-hmm. um but I, I guess it's not quite clear if she knows everything but she does seem a little uh and i guess i wish i, I wish i had a little more of that and maybe they're like oh she's not an important character but to me to make the backstory and the suffering of arya it makes sense to give me a little bit more for the wave character so i can understand why this is happening so i can get why arya grows from it yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's uh, i think that character is a little flawed in the show <clears throat> from a writing standpoint only because it just seems uncharacteristic of a faceless man or li- faceless little girl i guess <laughs> <laughs> to be so man because right if you've given up your own identity and all this stuff and really taken on this this faceless role you shouldn't be carrying these like jealousy inherent jealousies and all these these feelings like that True. doesn't necessarily make sense that that seems uncharacteristic of what that character should be mm-hmm. um and maybe she's not there yet and she's still in training and everything and, and you could argue like if she's feeling those ways like i don't think she's ready to be a faceless person yet so i don't know I, I, it, it doesn't quite fit for me either i wonder if they're going for like a two sides of the coin thing whereas jack and feels um i mean he's obviously the the face of Jack and you know I guess he's obviously playing this role of the more dominant teacher but you could maybe make the point that he is kind of the guidance the acceptance um, that she's looking for the 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 light touch whereas she is the more um, heavy hand and so the the neutrality might wind up in the middle but they're kind of playing good cop bad cop testing her from both sides with you know strict rules and strict things and then on the wave side with okay we're going outside the rules here you got to learn to play by any rule book necessary and if that means that i get to hit you in the face it means i get to hit you in the face sure yeah and if it's solely for the training then that makes perfect sense to me 
Yeah, I have a hard time believing that that those are her like true feelings, and that she could be successful in what she's doing. Or I don't know. Yeah, and, and I I think you I think my point is hindered by that one scene we get um, <clears throat> when Jacken sends Arya off to kill the Thin Man, and the Waif says, uh, "Well, she's not ready," and Jacken's like, eh, "Maybe, maybe not." Like blah blah blah. You know, he seems kind of ambivalent about the whole thing, but it does seem like they're at odds. Yeah. But then I would say, in support of your point, the last scene when Arya becomes blind, the fact that Jockin drinks it and then Waif becomes Jockin behind her, it's yeah. like they're very much interconnected, right? And they, and it does seem in a training way, right? Because they're both constantly molding Arya to get True. her to be who they maybe feel she needs to be or wants to be. So... And- and I thought that was a very cool scene in that sense of like making you rethink maybe who is Jockin. I mean, jo- as again, he keeps telling everyone I'm no one and we keep wanting him to be the character when in reality it's more of a role he's playing. Yeah. Or she's yeah, playing that, for all we know. I think that's a great point. And we never we never did touch on the fact that like how hot did Jack and Hagar look in that little girl dress? Super hot. <laughs> like, super hot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, it was nice. Just, uh, any other uh, stuff you want to touch on from season six, episode one? My favorite part is neither of those, actually. Oh, wow. It's uh, when me. Brienne saves Sansa. Ah, uh, yes, Brienne. Yes. I did I did, I did. make a note here that Sansa and Theon running, if there was like 20 less words in that thing, that could have been like straight out the Revenant. They took a very interesting... Uh, way of filming that scene where they're just kind of running. They ford this river, which looked like a terrible thing to film. <laughs> like, it's just this icy river that they're wading through, and then they kind of come to this hopeless uh, scenario really fast. And uh, Brienne and Podrick save the day. Sure, sure. Just some good killing. Some real good, uh, real good oh, killing. And Brienne. Always partial to that. Brienne offering up her, uh, her sword again, and Sansa uncharacteristically finally making a good choice finally not that she had much of a choice it seems at this point my uh actually we i don't think we get it until the next episode so i will hold off just because we're running a little long um anything before we touch on scones y'all danny now gets a chance to not get raped cool it's true it's true Um, so she's gonna go to the the other wives of the Dothraki that have lost their husbands and she seems stoked. Um, and yeah. Yep. And Padraic kills someone, which was kill someone. Good, good on, good on. Yeah. Tyrion and Varys find a oh, yeah, fleet burning in the harbor. Yeah. I forgot about that with the son of harpy thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's really pretty much lost over. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, we had a chocolate chip scone today. I had it, Nana Nana Boo Boo. It is from uh, Electric Fountain Brewing Company here Ooh. in Quincy. It's a tiny little bugger. Just a mini scone today, but it's quite good. Mouth-watering. Can you hear the moisture? So do they do both coffee and beer, or is it just... Just coffee. Okay, so it's a brewing company in the sense of like percolating coffee indeed they do uh that there are only local roastery yeah they, good coffee do, good stuff do everything in house very good stuff very good stuff we'll Tony, give them a sweet wreck do you know how you can make that scone better 
Uh, I would love to find out. Remove the chocolate chips. There's <laughs> <laughs> actually a fair bit of salt in it, which balances the chocolate nicely. If you yeah. remove the chocolate chips, you've got a fucked up biscuit. <laughs> Salty. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I guess for your fucked up palate, maybe it, maybe it will work just fine. Yeah, what I don't know. For whatever, Jesus for whatever your palates might find good or bad you can always find good things for your eyes most of the time up on our instagram thrones and scones of course there's links to not only that but all our episodes and everything else we do up at thronesandscones.com and we will see you tomorrow for season six episode two you're down with g-o-t yeah Yeah, you you know know me me. beep normally we would put in some long-winded hilarious discussion here but we basically said fuck ups for 40 minutes earlier in this yeah, episode again so just- fuck ups <laughs> rewind it and check that out also if the guy that is listening that lives in my building and stealing my packages fuck that get fuck you too yeah fuck <laughs> you fedex and ups <laughs> bye <laughs>